You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by Righteous Comeovers on 28-Year-Old Men and <laughs> Righteous Comeovers again. And we're not, we're not talking about political comeovers here. We're talking about uh, uh, young people who are widow-peaking and combing over to hide it. Everyone knows what you're doing. Distracting us from your bald head with your bow tie doesn't work. So as we continue, <laughs> what I would like to discuss is uh, what's going on with everyone. We have a bunch of questions and we're going to get through some of them. And then what we'll do is wrap the show up. I probably am going to sound funny because I'm all snotty and sick. Uh, so I've been drinking these uh, Ballast Point Habanero Sculpin India Pale Ale with habanero peppers added. Um I drank one walking the dog without realizing that it's a 7% beer, and I kind of killed one while wandering around the neighborhood with him. And then I was all like, whoa, these work. So, <laughs> Man, we all know what happens when Matt drinks one beer. Well, one 7% beer in like 10 minutes, I get all fucking hammered. So, yeah. Oh, man. We're a minute in. I've already dropped the first F-bomb. So, what's new with yeah, Kenneth? Uh, what's new? So, I raced the 12 hours of Stanky over the weekend. Solo? Just different from the endurance race that I talked about a few weeks ago. Correct. Uh, oh, fuck no, I didn't do it solo. That would be terrible. <laughs> that would be completely and totally miserable. It is the, it's a cool trail, and I'm glad we have it local. And I'm not going to talk shit about our trails because I think it's awesome that we have what we have. However, that trail is bumpy as fuck. And it gets, I mean, doing any lap race, to be honest, I don't care if it's the most amazing trail in the world. When you do it like 10 times in 12 hours, like, that's Only not that Only 10? Fun. Oh, I didn't do it. Yeah, I didn't do it near that much because i was on a team but i also on top of me being on a team i also decided to be lazy like outright and i wanted to do four laps and then drink beer and that's what i did so <laughs> did but you I, do them I in did, a row I, oh hell no oh okay no it's like cross country it's kind of like you do a time trial no i get that i didn't know if you meant you wanted to do four laps like all right guys i'm gonna take off and do four hard laps and then sit down and get hammered yeah, I mean, that would be not that fun. It's much more fun to, like, there's something about that team dynamic. It's really, really cool. I actually wish it could be, like, a four-person team, to be honest. Or they should do a 24-hour is what they really should do, and it should be, like, six-plus-person teams. Because it's the shit-talking, like, in between and then messing around and, like, did you crash and you're a dumbass and somebody ripped a derailleur off and you mean, all that kind of fun You mean stuff. pit banter? Just it's like... the pit banter. It's really, really fun, and that... That format is awesome. It's really, I always love the social aspect of the 12 hours of Stanky. That's always been the best part. Um, you know, I mean, we've done it a bunch of years and, you know, some years we win, some years we don't, uh, but it's just fun. And uh, anyway, had a good time. I rode four laps and I'm a competitive person. So like when I was out on the course, I was riding hard and I ran the times that I thought I would run with the fitness that I'm in, which is not like a lot, uh, but I feel good. And I'm getting that little bit, you know, that little bit of fire back to ride harder and be more competitive. So I kind of took, I kind of mellowed out for a year or so, but uh, I'm going to go win shit. <laughs> getting ready for uh, Marathon Nationals? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to win the Pro Open Marathon <laughs> Nationals 20, uh, I'm not going to say 2017, but 2018, I'm going to win it overall. Okay. So no big deal. NBD. Yeah. Uh, what else? Bike was good. However, it's about time to get a new bike. 
So I'm going to slowly work on that. I'm trying to decide on whether or not I want to make my current Jet 9 alloy into a dedicated single speed <laughs> as like a spare bike. I've yes. tried that experiment many times before, but I will probably do that. It'll be a fun project. And if nothing else, it's a project, and projects are fun. And if it doesn't work out really well, then I will just sell the bike. And it's actually way easier, I found, to sell a decent, complete 29er than it is to actually part it out. Yeah. So, like, on the lower end. So I could just go find some shit wheels and shit cockpit and all that other stuff. And if it's a full suspension tubeless 29 with, like, not a Suntour fork, it'll sell for a bunch of money. But if I sell a frame only, like, people want to lowball me and shit. So They want to yeah. give you, like half of jensen usa price yeah yeah they're like hey man i'll give you two hundred dollars for your frame i'm like go go fuck your hat Uh, (laughs) but anyway so i might build a single speed and i think uh so on other news well hold on would this would this be because the bike that you would go for wouldn't be compatible with anything that you have pretty much that is true more than likely as of right now, if I had a decision, I'd probably get an RKT because I I really think I need to go back to a racier bike. I think I'm getting too bro and too slack, and that's not doing me any good. Especially so, where you live. Yes. And I just need to kind of go back to where I was, and I need to just kind of get my body used to riding a little less travel. Um, but these days, you can still build a super comfy uh, racy bike. So... That's what I'm going to do. Probably RKT. Still, I, I'm really on the fence about whether or not I want to do a Stepcast 32 or a Fox 34. But the deal there is I just don't think I like the geometry of the RKT with that 44 offset uh, 100. It's just too, with that short-ass rear end, it's just too fast for me. Like in the turns, it's just, I don't really like it. So, Plus, it's a shorter head tube, which I don't really like, like shorter than what I'm even coming from. So going out to a 120, 51 offset, Fox 34, I think the weight penalty, I just have to deal with it. Um, but in other news, we built a customer's bike, and I can't talk about whose it is because it's a surprise for this person. Uh, however, we built an RKT uh, with very reliable parts, all off-the-shelf stuff, all normal stuff. And with pedals fully kitted out, like all whole nine yards, everything. Oh, we lost oh, Kenny. No. There Fuck. you went. There you go, Kenny. Uh, uh, so fully kitted out like... the whole nine yards. Yeah, sorry, I had a little blip there. Um, fully kitted out the whole nine yards. That thing is 22 pounds even, like 22.0. Holy crap, what kind of wheels are on it? Knox uh, 28 hole I9 boost. Nice. Like nothing, nothing sketchy in my book. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, boost. Uh, it's a Stepcast 32 with uh, XTR Di2 one by eleven with a XX1 cassette. Yeah, no. and uh, what else? RKT frame. Race oh, so you, neck put the, SL, you put the XX1 frame. cassette with the with XTR Di2. It's, you know it. It's so much it's lighter. A, it's a It's like 150 grams for free. That's awesome. Yeah. It's crazy how much weight it is. Um, other than that, race face uh, next SL bar. Good God. Just an aluminum stem. I mean, it's all what honestly. What does that retail for? Stuff. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's not prob- basic, really. That's like 
an eight no 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 bike. it's a it's probably a nine thousand dollar bike but here's the deal with it it's cheaper than s works epic and it's not a piece of shit that's and it's true. probably as light or lighter. Well, <laughs> and the suspension actually works. The other thing is, when you said like basic stuff, I assume that to mean no like tune parts or project no three, two, one. fucking bullshit yeah, yeah. stuff. Nothing weird. You can buy it all pretty much from quality. Like it's it's good. It's regular, normal, bits. regular stuff. XTR race brakes. Like I mean, it's don't get all me wrong. All stuff it's your bike shop stuff. can get. Yes, and it's all stuff you can work on. And I would never personally be scared to ride any piece of that whatsoever. And that's probably roughly what my new bike will be, is an RKT, 1x11 XTR, XX1 cassette, uh, just with a Fox 34. So my bike, being a little bit bigger size, and Fox 34, everything else will be the same. Probably, let's just say conservative, 23 with pedals, which I'm happy with. That's fine. Because right now I'm at like 25 in pedals. So um, two pounds is... No joke. That's what my uh, top fuel weighs is 25. Really? How does a top fuel weigh 25 pounds? Is that uh, possible? Well, because my crank the wheels is, on it are like my, 1,700 grams. Yeah, well, I have 1,700 gram wheels. What, um, what wheels do you have? Are they, are they iron wheels? No, they're stock <laughs> DT Swiss X or whatever the cross-country labeling is, like 1,700s. So they're, okay. they're do wheels you remember, that... Remember when, uh, when sixteen hundred and change wheels were like stupidly light for twenty yeah. for twenty niners. Yeah, I do. Um no, I mean <laughs> they're just the stock wheels and then it has a alloy seat post, which is obviously heavy. Um oh, why'd you why'd you do that? It's stock. And it has my XT power meter crank, which is heavy. Cause I wanted to measure the power. So yeah, I mean, but it's also an extra large. That's true. So that's I'm always going to run into a weight penalty. Um, and what I have, size is the one that you built that was 22 pounds? We probably shouldn't know. It's a small. Okay. It's a small. We don't need to like make assumptions on the air. But anyway, it is a size small. Uh, mine will be a medium. So, you know, I'm going to just add a quarter pound there and I'm going to add a half pound for the fork. It might be a tad more. So I should end up 23 flat, which is ballpark what I would assume anyway. Um, so yeah, I have it'll a, it'll be cool. I have a correction to make on the bike that I'm building. The highball is not going to have an XX lockout. It's going to have the cable lockout. I'm real unhappy with that. I think oh. it'll be all right. I mean, it's not as good as a hydro lockout, but I think they've so they've they improved it a, enough. You bought a Sid like ball and ass carbon, right? Yeah, it's really weird. If you go to what SRAM has to offer for EP today, they have a they have an alloy Sid with an XX lockout, and then they have a Sid World Cup with the one lock, which is the cable actuated lockout. And they don't offer what the fuck? I don't know. Why would you put a cable lock on an XX World Cup? I think it's, the charger damper isn't. It is, though. The charger okay. damper is compatible with an XX lock because they sell it aftermarket. And I've looked into what it would cost to add that damper to that fork, and it's a lot of money, but I very well may do that in the very near future. Yeah, I'm, give, the, I mean, give the cable one a I'm shot. okay doing that, though. But it is XX. It's, it's, it's World Cup. So it's carbon crown, carbon steer tube. It has the charger damper. 
And if the lockout is really problematic, the first thing I'm going to try is using an XX shifter as the lockout lever. And if that doesn't work, then I'm going to use a, um, I'm going to buy the damper and the, the like the XX lock damper. Yeah. But my frame got here today. It's, it's at the shop. I haven't looked at it yet. I don't have brakes and fork yet, so I can't build my bike. But other than that, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I hope that bike comes in at like 22 pounds, honestly. I've been thinking about it a lot. And if I get it down to 22 pounds, that's, that's going to be pretty impressive for me. It should be. I mean, it should, but I have a couple of key heavy pieces on my bike. Uh, the cassette's pretty heavy. The what cassette are you doing? It, it's a long story. I'd rather not, oh, God. I'd rather not talk about it yet until after I've ridden it. But the cassette's going to be heavy. Again, the crank's going to be heavy because I'll use an XT oh, crank. You're you're cobbling together like a. It's going to be like a wolf tooth, fifty nope. tooth nope. welded to a forty two tooth and sandwiched in some other shit on like a nine speed cassette. <laughs> nope, nope. Um, you have to use like paper clips to make your derailleur work. I'm going to use a Sunrace MS3. I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's their ten speed eleven forty two cassette. Ten speed. Man, they got, we got like 11 and I like 12 speeds these days. Speed. That was an exuberant amount of money. So why are you putting 10 speed on a brand new carbon bike? No, it's Did a you lot. Have like, do you have 10 speed like shifters and derailers laying around? I do. I have an XX shifter and an XO mid cage rear derailleur already. Like a type, like a clutch type? Yeah. Yeah. XO type two. Okay. Point well, that's one. not terrible. Uh, as long gonna, as it's not an X9. I'm going to see how it works. It was a lot of money to go 11 speed for the same reason that you're talking about just now is I've already spent a lot of money on a frame. I've already spent a lot of money on a fork. Like if I'd built it 11 speed, I probably would have put a alloy SID or a Reba on it today. If I wanted it full XX1 11 speed next week, that would be the, the, the trade-offs. And I would never go back and later add in a nicer fork or anything like that. So I think it's better to in some ways compromise as we go into the off season and build that bike with 10 speed and then build it with 11 speed. Once everything sort of recovers. Cause that's an easy thing to do. Cause then the 10 speed can go back to the specialized crave if needed. Why don't you just sell your crave? I've, I've lost all enthusiasm for the show. <laughs> I just like I hadn't paid attention to you saying ten speed because I just in my head had it like I knew that you weren't going to like half ass anything. I'm getting you heard what I just said. That's like I'm being very reasonable about it. I know. Sell your crave sell your crave and, and dole I, out some handies at the seven eleven. Here's the thing though. I can afford any bike that I want right now. I can buy. Oh, 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 oh. I can buy any bike I want. <laughs> the problem that I'm running into is I don't really want to spend that much money at once. Um, full story is we worked, uh, we, we lost some people at the shop and we worked a lot of overtime over like the last six weeks, probably. And my chunk of overtime equals what I've spent so far on the tall boy or the highball. So I'm, I'm at a point where the money that I've spent is, is free money in some ways. Um, so 
uh, it's kind of hard to say. Like, it's not like I'm paying for the bike because I'm obviously paying for the bike. But again, it was all overtime, and and uh, I could save that money and continue to save money. But uh, it just comes down to I don't I don't know how many more good riding days are left in the year, and I want to give that cassette an honest try. That way, when people want to know about conversion stuff, I can tell them, "Hey, this is this is conversion stuff that might work," um, and it's very affordable. The retail price on that cassette is cheaper than an XT cassette, so it's it's not a conversion one where you're buying a cassette and then buying a, a replacement cog and then buying a, a giant cog where you're buying three items. Um, and with it being the the oh god, I can't remember the letter. I think it's M. It does the first it being the fully steel version, it's all steel cogs. It's ten steel cogs. For more money they make one where the top cog or the top two cogs are alloy, but I didn't want the top two to be alloy. I only would want the top one cog to be alloy with their breakdown of their cassette spacing. So I went full alloy or full steel, I mean, to just get an idea of does it shift, does it work, is it worth it? Is it garbage? If it's garbage, I can just throw it away for what I paid for it. Like I can literally spike it into the trash and I won't feel bad. So a couple things. One thing, never go full steel. That is that is risky. Why? <laughs> you just you never go full steel. Like you never go full <laughs> retard. Well, the problem that I would have with the alloy cassette is I'm pretty sure it's the forty two and the thirty six are alloy. Which I would spend, I don't think I'm going to spend a ton of time in the 42, but I'll spend a good bit of time in the 36, and I don't want to hose the cassette over to the 36. Also, this time of year, again, I might not be even riding the bike that much, and I might find those 10-speed parts back on the Crave for winter commuting, and then a fully steel cassette is even better. Man. I just, I don't even know what to say. I mean, you got to try stuff. I do. At at wholesale, it's very cheap. So, Man, I don't want to use up my stanchions. That's why I got the steel Suntour, baby. (laughs) You know, that's a a very different statement, though. (laughs) Uh, Just giving you a hard time. It's very fun and very easy. And I'll I'll say this, too. Um, at, At probably at retail... But in wholesale, I can buy one of these cassettes, and then I can buy the nicer with the alloy cogs, and it's still cheaper than just buying the Praxis cassette with a couple of alloy cogs. So it's pretty no-brainer, in my opinion. But, yeah. But hopefully, hopefully my bike's 22 pounds. It's big. It's going to have a heavy seat post, a heavy crank, and a heavy cassette. What seat post are you putting on it? It's tie. So, I mean, when you compare it with okay. carbon, well, that's it's, okay. it's not light compared <laughs> to carbon, okay. but it's going to ride very nicely. I was going to say, if and you're going to put like a Thompson or something on a hardtail, I was going to yell at you. No, and I've made the joke that I should weigh, I should build this bike twice. I should build it with stupid tires and an XT1132 cassette and weigh it. And then put the cassette and tires I want to ride on it and weigh it. And be like, oh, I got a 19-pound bike, you know? Yeah. Because that's what everyone does. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. That's all that I have going on. So my frames here, they haven't shipped my fork and brakes yet. So still just waiting, just chilling. You got the level, like, 
ultimate or the one below uh, it or something? TLM, yeah. Didn't go full ultimate. Yeah, they need to... Uh, I don't know. I get weird about naming conventions. They need to get their shit straight. Drives me nuts. Like a, a level should be an R, an RS, an RSC? Yeah, I mean, if you already have a previous naming convention and the new breaks have all the same fucking features, why would you name it a whole different fucking thing? God damn it. It just... It's ridiculous. That's the shrambulance coming in on the boat. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to... Just the wambulance, man. They're just... No, it's just shram. Just like, oh, we're going to do something different. Yeah, man. Looks like you got a compound fracture on your femur. Here's a free chain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you... Um, Kenny, you may not because you don't work at a Trek dealer. Matt, have you had... People come in with the newest version of the Affinity disc wheel that is coming on like boons and stuff with a tick. Like the rim has a tick right where the seam is. Yeah, like, there's nothing oh, you can do about man. that. Oh man, I've got that on Niners. You like when you wait it, and it's like only when you wait it oh, and yeah. you roll it over that spot, it's just like a little like. Yes, this is why you buy a welded rim hoop and not a pinned rim hoop. It was a, I think we're, we're on like our fourth one or third affinity and one of some other wheel, but yeah, it's a warranty party. Well, yeah, that factory Niner aluminum wheel that uh comes on like some budget builds. It is a, it is a dumpster fire of a wheel. That's awesome. You want to hear, let me, so shitty. Let me tell you about my dumpster fire of a crave now. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, so the wheel set is really good. So it's a crate. The whole bike's really good. Crave frame, MRP fork, uh, that I really need to talk about soon now that everything works. <laughs> um, Bontrager alloy 750 handlebar, a KS Lev 27.2 dropper post, XT silver crank, nine speed XT crank. Uh, then what was the other? Oh, the front hub is a specialized hub. 15 millimeter sealed bearing through axle hub. The rear hub is an XT hub. <laughs> and the rims are WTB frequency. Like I-23s or something? I-19s. Ooh. Ooh. And the spokes are straight gauge. Man, so this this is an eBay bike, basically. No, the problem with the Crave, and I've accepted this, is the sentimental value of the Crave is damn near two times market value. So I'm just keeping it. The highball can't be set up single speed, so I'm keeping the Crave. That's all there is to it. I'm just going to keep it. Can you mail it out here, and then you'll get it back with a motor? (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Mail it to Memphis, and it'll come back with a motor. I don't know. We don't need to talk about those things. We'll put 2.3 Big Apples on it, and you're going to go terrorize old ladies on the green line with it. Uh, I'm good. I, <laughs> I, I could probably just put like a 38 tooth chain ring on it with one by 10 and still rip the green line on big apples. <laughs> I mean, the ability to go too fast on the green line is, is within my ability. Well, with an electric motor, you can have one hand down your pants and the other one texting <laughs> I, while going 35 miles an hour. Moving on. My, Super safe. My investment to keep the crave rolling has been under twenty dollars. A lot of those, uh, a lot of those parts to build those wheels and 
everything that I wanted to pull off that bike has been replaced by parts that were redirected from recycling, you could say. So does this come back to the handy situation that we were talking about earlier? <laughs> no handies involved. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so the again, the Crave is just the, too much sentimental value, so... We have a we have a metric fuck ton. Do of I questions. get to like talk about my? I was about to say, Kenny and I both just rambled for a long time. We have a bunch of questions. Do you do you want to talk quickly? That was pretty quality stuff. That's I mean I don't want to like you know put pressure on you, Andrea, but that's going to be really difficult to top. I mean, yeah, I did a really hard ride on my single speed on uh I don't know whatever the fuck day it was. I had off last Saturday. Saturday. I don't even like I, my, I get my days off confused. Like it'll be. I'll have a day off and I'll know that like, I'll be like, Hey, tomorrow I have, I have tomorrow off, which means I don't know when I wake up in the morning, if it's Saturday or Tuesday. And I have literally spent half of either of those days thinking it is the other day. <laughs> I have so many days off. I don't even know what day off. Oh, I just anymore. have like those two days off. And like, I just, I get them confused all the time. Like I, I'll just spend the day thinking that it's, not the right day. Like I, I rode past a school last Tuesday, and I was like, God, why is it, why are there so many people at a school on Saturday? And just spent a large portion of the day, like probably to like noon or one, thinking that it was Saturday, but it was actually Tuesday. <laughs> but I did go on a really really awesome ride. I took my single speed out to uh, the Indian Creek Loop. Um, it's something that's close to the color segment one of the Colorado Trail. Um, you can add parts of that in if you want, but I didn't, um, just because I was sort of navigating with MTV project and with like a couple of other people that I passed or that passed me or whatever, or that, you know, I saw it in an intersection and it was, it was cool. It ended up being 42 miles and like 6,500 feet of climbing. So Shit. it was uh, it was a great single speed ride. Success. Awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I want to go out there again, probably on the single speed again. I love my single speed. It's awesome. Carbon hardtails are really, really fun. Um, turns out I really like them. Wait, what carbon hardtail do you have? Oh, I got the uh, the 1.9RDO Jensen employee purchase. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I call it the Jensen employee purchase because I think I bought it for less than what you could purchase it for from Niner as a Niner dealer. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I'm super, I'm always super happy about that as a, uh, as a shop who invests in uh, Niner inventory to see it blown out a month later at yeah. below my wholesale cost. It's fantastic. <laughs> but that's why I have named it the turd sandwich. <laughs> So that is my uh, single speed turd sandwich is a 20 pound carbon hardtail. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So we have a, we have questions. Um, Let's fucking answer them. Hold on. I got to put a D outside. You can hear when I'm talking. So newbie McGee from the internet in Utah. Hi, I just started listening to your show and I appreciate all the knowledge you guys and gals are bestowing me with. Now I know that I won't be buying a $2,000 full squishy bike secondhand off of some. And I won't even look at an e-bike. It sounds like you guys really hate them, I think. I fucking love e-bikes. That's not true at all. Matt we're, hates them. Go we're on. moving on. So here's my question. I live in Provo, Utah, and I'm aware there are a lot of trails around here. I'm really wanting to start riding trails and maybe even go out to Moab a few times a year. I really like the idea of having a 
really nice full suspension bike, and I would love to get one that costs around four to $5,000, but I have to be somewhat sensible with my money. As a beginner who is out of shape, should I buy a more sensibly priced hardtail, or do I buy a full suspension that costs around 3000 ish Also, what brand of bike should I be looking at? Sincerely, Newbie McGee. And I think we should all answer this lightning round, 30 seconds each. Kenny, go. Boom. I think the best thing to do is go scrounge up a solid $1,500 and go buy a solid brand new with a warranty $1,500 retail bike. So all you need is tubeless wheels, good brakes, good fork. Don't give a shit about anything else and go ride that thing for like a year. Even Get brand. strong. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be aluminum probably. But anyway, uh, go ride that thing for a year and it'll be a good bike. It'll be a solid bike. It'll be a reliable bike. And what it'll teach you is what a hardtail is and does. And that way, when you save up more money, you can appreciate how good a full suspension bike is. That's my take on it. Andrea, go. Um, I mean, if you have four or $5,000 to spend right now, um, go out and buy a $5,000 carbon hardtail. Or, sorry, five. well, I mean, you could spend a $5,000 carbon hardtail or a $5,000 carbon full suspension bike. Like, that bike exists with, like, Trek. I mean, like, the top fuel, what's the 9.8 cost? Uh, well, the better, like six, but a better bike would be the Tallboy three yeah. NX build. That's 4,500 bucks. Yeah. There you go. Like buy something like that. Or, I mean, Kenny's idea isn't bad either. Um, you know, if you beat a $1,500 alloy, like well-built bike up for a year and then you go buy something else, that's, that's not a bad, I, I don't think that's a bad plan either, but you know, also the hardtail thing is you pay 1500 bucks for it. And very easily, you sell it for eight hundred. Yeah, that's and your your actual lost money is not a whole lot. Like you rented a bike for a year, uh, you know, for a little over five hundred bucks is how I look at it. Yeah, and that well, yeah, and and in that case, you know, you also like you start to know like what you like and what you don't mm-hmm. like. And lightning uh, rounds coming to a close. Yeah, go ahead. And I didn't get to answer. Oh, you can answer. What do you think? Newbie McGee, you should buy what Kenny said. You should buy a hardtail. You should ride it until spring. You shouldn't sell it. You should keep it so you have a beat-around bike. And then you should buy a four to $5,000 Tallboy. No one has ever bought something nice and then be like, oh, gee, I wish I had something shittier. That's that's my... I know, and you didn't say it. That's my line. You didn't say it. Yeah, I mean, when you do buy like a, a, a carbon something... Um, whether it be a hardtail or a full suspension, I think, you know, like if you live in Utah and you're going to go to Moab and all that kind of stuff, like get a full suspension bike. Um, you're in the mountains. You're going to be descending. Um, I know I just like gushed about how awesome my carbon hardtail is, but uh, most people enjoy a good full suspension bike more. And yeah, uh, my usual line and what Matt just said, no one ever spends a bunch of money on an awesome mountain bike and gets on it. And it's like, Oh, I wish this sucked. Like this is, this is too nice of a bike. It's making me not have fun. All right. Alex from flow rider. Hi. Hey, Jerry. It's Alex from Florida. Not sure if this is the right email to send questions to. If not, I apologize. It wasn't. You should email questions to JRA at mountainbikeradio.com Again, that is JRA at mountainbikeradio.com. That is the best place to send questions. The absolute best. 
Nothing. Is it JRA JRA show or JRA? Shit. Uh, God. I actually don't know. <laughs> I thought it was JRA show. Uh, JRA at mountainbikeradio.com. Okay, cool. I just looked at one of the emails I've gotten. So <laughs> that email, I, that email is definitely working. Uh, so I recently started listening to your show and have been going back to your earlier episodes and love it. It helps work past much quicker. Anyways, I grew up in, in Washington State riding BMX. I know, I know. And then I started bombing single track and jumps on my old specialized big hit. I moved to Florida and discovered there's some mountain biking here and I have a full suspension, but I recently bought a 2017 Trek Farley 7. I know that it's heavier, and I have found other disadvantages, such as the tires not fitting into gaps and technical stuff that my full suspension would, but I do find advantages, such as floating over soft sugar sand on some fire roads. The grip is crazy, and I'm happy with the simplicity of not having suspension maintenance. I haven't touched my other bike since, and to me, all that matters is I'm having fun. I'm having a hard time breathing because I'm all stopped up. Anyways, although I can't deny fat bikes aren't for everybody, I was wondering why you guys don't mention fat bikes too much. I can't believe how capable the Farley is, and I love the grip. I was also wondering, what do you guys recommend for a good bike, full suspension or hardtail, for my girlfriend to get into mountain biking while still being able to progress and take on some of, or take on some out-of-state trips? She has been on a few easy rides with me, but she is still a beginner getting down the basics. She's 5'4", 110 pounds. Yeah. With a price range of up to $2,000. We would like to stick with Trek because I'm happy with them. My local bike shop carries them and would like to support my local bike shop. P.S. Sorry for the essay. Haha, Alex. Don't buy a 110 person, 10 pound person a fat bike. He loves his fat bike. He wants to know what bike to buy his girlfriend. Not a fat bike. So, number one, we don't talk about fat bikes a lot because I don't think we like the way they ride because we like bikes that are more technically savvy. Um, and the fat bike is kind of a terrible trail bike here in Colorado. Anyone that's bought a fat bike and then like brings it back to the shop, they, they've just destroyed it. They're overcooking their brakes because they come with 160 rotors because they're made for, for snow racing. They're not made for descending like a lot of stuff when there's a lot of traction. You know, that's something that's really overlooked. A lot of these, uh, you could say like brand managers and, and, component speckers they're building a, a snow race bike they're not building a fucking trail hardtail so it comes with a 160 rotor front and rear which is plenty of braking power to slide that five inch tire on snow which is all you need but here in colorado people want to use that on the trail in the summer when it's dry and they're overcooking their rotors and they're like oh these brakes don't work and it's like of course they don't i find 160 rotors front and rear are undergunned on my hardtail with 2.4 tire in the front. So, duh, of course. Uh, so that's kind of, kind of number one, why we don't talk about it too much. And I guess number two would just be like, have you ever picked one of those up? Uh, we're all like closet weight weenies. So, yeah, I mean, it's like a Farley seven. I don't know how, does he say how big he is? No. It's just, if you think about the weight of a bike, Versus the weight of the person who rides it. That's why, like, some kids' bikes, like, you're just like, dude, that's, there's no way a kid's gonna enjoy riding that because the bike weighs half as much as that kid does. And it's like the same way with small people. I don't mean just women, um, but small people. If you weigh 110 pounds and you're pushing around a 30 something pound bike and with all that rotational weight, like, it takes so much power to start moving it and to move it uphill 
it's just not, it's, it makes it more difficult to ride than it needs to be. So, you know, I, I don't know. Did he say what his budget is for his, his lady wants to spend two grand. She should buy the nicest super fly that she can. Yeah. Like exactly the same advice we gave the last person, like spend $2,000 on like the nicest hardtail you can possibly get. Like that's just, don't go fat bike. It, I know you like your fat bike. No, he doesn't act like he wants to buy her a fat bike. He wants to know just, why we don't talk about them a lot. It's because we think they're poo-poo. Well, and they're not really, unless you go up to the, into the mountains a lot, um, they're not that great around here because this it snows, but then most of the time the sun comes out and the snow melts almost within you know 24 hours. So there's just not, you know, there's not groomed ski trails here. Unless you go into the mountains where the snow sticks around longer, and then there are, but you know, none of us have that um, that time and money and desire to really do that. So that's why we don't do it a lot. Also, it looks like you can get a Superfly Seven that has tubeless ready wheels, a Fox Fork XT two by eleven for twenty one hundred bucks. So you should buy her that bike. She should buy herself that bike. Yeah. You should recommend her by herself that bike. Boom. Yep. Is there anything you want to add to that, Kenny? No, I pretty much agree with all that. I think fat bikes are silly. I mean, for for very specific stuff like snow racing and or riding sand. snow or riding snowmobile trails or if you're going to like ride with a wife beater on in Florida on the beach, <laughs> then like that's cool. I think you should get a fat bike. But other than that, I think they're dumb. What if they're basically didn't... they're a way to accomplish riding slower? If what? that's what you want to do, that's cool. What if you didn't wear a wife beater? I mean, you can, it, here's the thing. If you're having fun on it, that is really all that matters. I'm not going to say that you shouldn't buy one. It's just that I like to go faster than the guy next to me. So if he's on a fat bike, then I win. That's how I look at it. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. All and, right. And like sand in Florida, sure, that's that's a good place for a fat bike. Or it's a little – maybe the fat bike is the the good weapon for sand. But, yeah, that's – only in a wife beater or in cut off jeans. Well, what? yeah, it's Florida. That's, or that's understood. Last way that a fat bike is acceptable: you use two of those JPack rucksacks, and you have plastic forties in each one, and no shirt. Yeah, you're also wear, allowed to wear a, a bandolero with dildos in it. <laughs> I, I, I think I think oh, as man. long as you have chest hair showing and forties and rucksacks, you can ride your fat bike however you want. <laughs> so. Uh, Aaron from the internet says, Hey, you three on the show. You seem to be drinking margaritas and beer on every podcast, which makes me wonder how much you train and ride. <laughs> you seem like strong riders who go on podiums every now and again. Andrea seems to be winning races left and right. And I thought I heard she said she won a trail running race as well. So how much do you train and what kind of training? Um, I think the first thing to that is we drink beer and margaritas and still go fast because we're fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't listen to us if we were just fucking goobers and sucked, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, we... So, it's it's pretty relative. So, me personally, um, I can stop drinking alcohol. I can train 15 to 20 hours a week, and I can compete... Um, somewhat successfully at the professional level. Like you think of professional cyclists, professional mountain bikers, like the people doing, um, 
like the Inui series. Yeah, like the Inui series. The um, like if it was cyclocross season, like when I used to race cyclocross a lot, you know, I could like get around the top twenty of UCI races, like, and that's like all in. Like training is my part time or full time job. Like, and I'm, you know, don't eat junk food and I don't drink maybe more than like one drink a week. Um, and I can compete at that level. Um, or I can have a couple of drinks like two or three nights a week and occasionally eat, uh, you know, ice cream and. <laughs> 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 Oops. I just accidentally kicked Matt. <laughs> um, you know, occasionally just like knock off and, and do more fun stuff. And I can compete locally at the professional level. Not at like, I mean, if I went and did like next weekend, there's a UCI cyclocross race at the Valmont bike park. If I went and did that, I would probably get pulled. Um, you know, I wouldn't be the first to get pulled, but I would probably get pulled. Like I just, like you finishing know. on the lead lap would be an accomplishment. Yeah, exactly. Like, whereas, you know, it's, and it's a very small, you know, it's just a, I don't know. I think Matt and I, like, we, we talked about this question when we first got it and had something a little more insightful to say, and I don't remember what it is now. Well, and the other thing, too, about it that, that I can chime in here is, you know, you guys hear from us. Well, I mean, maybe this is what, what might be hard to comprehend, and I'm not belittling anyone, but like you listen to us and you hear, uh, uh, like you can listen to us any day. Snapshot? No, you can listen to us any day of the week, any time of the day, whatever. So in your mind, you might think that we drink at willy nilly, but another way to think of it is like Monday night is our dedicated night to sit down from you know for for what ends up being roughly an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes at least and that means that we eat dinner and i usually like have a drink before like when i make dinner and then i sit down and i have like another drink or whatever maybe like i drink while i'm making dinner and drink while i'm eating dinner and have a third drink during the show so i'm just like hammered because i drink three drinks and get fucking shwasted so you guys hear from us on like the one night a week, but like you don't hear from us on the day that like on Tuesdays, for instance, when Andrea works and then goes and does two different MMA classes after work. Yeah, I do like Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to jujitsu and then um, uh, Muay Thai classes. Uh, you know, and, and Kenny, I think he kind of answered this earlier where he's been like on an off year. So he's just been like, fuck it. Stuffing his full face full of nuggets and barbecue sauce and heading out on the trail. <laughs> so I think a, a better way to look at it is, so on Tuesday, I, I listen to the show again, and I usually drink a lot. And then, so then Monday I drank, and then Tuesday I drink because I'm listening to the show. And then Wednesday is club night. And then <laughs> Thursday is usually like a little bit more mellow. And but it's Friday, not, well, is it Friday not? is Friday. So like, yeah, you know, who knows? And then, uh, yeah, it's usually pit bikes in the backyard with, uh, with lots of, lots of liquor. And then Saturdays, you know, I mean, you got to drink when you're mowing the lawn and then, uh, <laughs> and then Sunday you have to make sure you have beer already because you can't buy beer in Tennessee before like 12 AM. So you got to be prepared there. And then Monday starts again. So, I mean, pretty normal week for me, I'd say. 
Yeah, and you know the other thing uh, with with Kenny is like he says Thursdays are pretty mellow, but I've never seen him turn down an invite to Thirsty Thursdays. So because <laughs> we're going no. to Rafferty's where they have nickel shots. <laughs> In all reality, I am a slow Cat One mountain biker. Uh, but the the better way to look at it is when I ride, I usually ride hard, and I'm a very wow. competitive person. Uh, but I mean, really for me, my goal is I want to be able to go take a vacation and make it a mountain bike destination thing and be able to ride any trail that people talk like shit about, like, Oh, this is so difficult or whatever. And moral of the story is being a, if so, if people are looking for goals, the goal that I would give to you guys, honestly, to have the most fun is be a slow cat one guy, because you can kind of do whatever you want. You can (laughs) race a little bit, uh, but you can also, I think confidently, you can go ride any trail system pretty much anywhere and complete it and actually enjoy yourself. So, so I, I say you can be a slow professional and do that. <laughs> well, and the other thing that I think Kenny is talking to here is you can kind of hop in just about any group ride that's not just like total dickhead pace and you won't get dropped. Exactly. You can go do group road rides that are organized. You can go do mountain bike stuff. You can go, you know, go race at night. Go do this epic trail that everyone talks about. Like you can do generally you can do all that stuff. And I'm very happy in the place that I'm at because I'm never intimidated by, and I'm not trying to be a dick. It's just, I'm not intimidated by doing any of this stuff now because it's like, well, I pretty much know that I can at least get through it. Um, I might not be the fastest guy. The problem for me is that I have like limited ability that was like given to me. So I'm never going to be a male pro mountain biker. Like that's just not ever going to happen. Even if money was not an option and I could train as much as I wanted to and I never lost interest in it, I still would not be a pro male uh, mountain biker. It just wouldn't happen. So there's just no reason for me, like to me, take the next step to be five or 10% faster. I would just be miserable. So why, why even bother doing that? Um, That's, that's how I look at it. And for me, I feel like I've always, there was a time in my life, like probably three years ago, that I could say I've every day I was the fastest I've ever been. And I don't necessarily feel that now, but I know where I can go and I know where I'm at. And like uh I'm sort of in this like weird spot where the easiest way to describe it is this. I understand it's easy to just like pout and be like, I'm not gonna do well, but like I sincerely thought I was gonna be faster in cross this year, and then it I like showed up at the start line of the only race that I'm probably going to do all year. And I realized that like the sandbagging is so heavy in cyclocross that there's dudes that race pro in the series, the mountain bike series that I raced this summer that I have to race in fucking cat three cross. So it's like, well, fuck, like it's not that I don't want to race if I don't have any chance of winning, but like they were probably like five minutes ahead of me at the finish. To me, that's the other reason why I don't want to be like pessimistic, but the deal is there are so many people that will take it more seriously than you do. And then they go and sandbag it even harder than you do. And it's like, what? it's not even worth, it's not worth, you know, it's not worth measuring your worth against that kind of person. It's just, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, being competitive is great and all, but you shouldn't let it control you because you're just going to be miserable, I think, if you do. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you have an ungodly amount of gifted talent, 
and you are just an unbelievably athletic person, then I think you really should pursue like that top tier. But being just an ultra competitive amateur person, I just don't, I'm sorry, I just don't really get it because you're just going to make yourself miserable in my opinion. Well, I don't really think that. I think that, uh, I don't know, like at least for me, it it's more like the, the challenge of doing it. And that's what I enjoy. Like I enjoy looking for like, you know, because I, I mean, I could be like local hero all day long. But that's not, for me, that's not satisfying. Like, I like to go out and seek out, like, the the competitive field that will, like, kick my ass because then that inspires me to make myself better. Um, whereas I think some people don't think like that. And, the, you know, whether or not you should, you know, aspire to, like, say, like, well, I want to, like, stop drinking and go to bed early and train more, um, you know, like, if if you're the type of person that's looking for that sort of challenge, then that can be very rewarding because you, you see the results, like you, you feel them and you see them, um, you know, and that's, it's, it's really rewarding. I mean, I, I really enjoy it, but um, I also enjoy like just being, you know, mediocre professional and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, having some beers and, yeah, be mediocre. It's way more fun. <laughs> yep. The upper echelon. Steve will uh, all hail the black market. There's a a sticker that says the upper echelon of mediocrity. And, and he also <laughs> has one that says my 100% not giving a shit beats your 8% faster. <laughs> uh, uh, next question. So right here, are we still recording? We are. That's good. I've been checking it rather That's religiously. Um, so Super proud. last thing we should cover tonight because, well, I really don't feel that good. Like my sign, my I'm all like, well, still, obviously, still. I mean, it's not going to go away over the course of 50 minutes. That's that's r- ridiculous to expect. Um, Anthony from the internet says, in contrast to JRA's new shit, we probably hate. How about a solid old shit we really loved? Old trends in the mountain bike world that have either died off or have continued to evolve and get better. I don't know what they are, but I'm sure that some parts and pieces that companies have phased out used to be cool and work really well. Oh, I got one. But now suck. Yeah. Make grip shift great again. <laughs> nine speed XO one grip shift was the uh, shit. Yeah, nine speed nine speed grip shift was when they reintroduced it was pretty it was pretty good. I had no complaints about it. It was light, um, cheap, and durable. Yeah. And really I mean, easy to work on. Yeah. I can say some stuff that was pretty good. The the old like oh what, maybe oh seven plus the old Rebas were very good, like when they were kind of first introduced to the market. Yeah. That was a super solid fork that you would see people abuse for like five years straight and like still kept on kicking. Uh, those are really good. Honestly, almost all the uh, like nine speed, nine speed XTR, 10 speed XTR, uh, both fantastic. Nine speed XO. Uh, you know, I think I personally think SRAM went a little bit downhill on the 10 speed XO and even more downhill on XX. And then, yeah. Uh, XX was, I, I mean, I use that to race other than like some of the parts, like the chain and the chain rings. Well, it, it wasn't the most durable thing out there, but it worked super, super well. And you just had to be really diligent about checking and changing your chain. Yeah. I think XX might be one of the worst things that happened to the bicycle market in its entire history. But Why? that's just that's just me. I, I fucking hate that shit. Oh, it's man, so was... chintzy. 
and like chains would get stuck in those derailleur cages and they actually they came out and admitted like oh we fucked up and like we made the derailleur cage too wide and the chain would get stuck between the pulley and the cage and it would like tear up and all this shit and nothing that front shifted so fucking badly i mean it was comical you could it made no fucking sense i still have these customers today and i feel so bad because i can't (laughs) fix it and i'm mad at myself because it doesn't make any fucking sense so you can have a a two by ten XX setup with an XX carbon crank, like everything is XX, just as it should be. XX shifter, XX front derailleur, blah blah blah. And you go to shift this thing from the first ring to the second ring because it's only got two rings in the front. And you go to shift it, and you have it all like the derailleur height set and the angle set, and the cable tension is set, all the limits are set. And you go to shift this thing, and it just sits there. And bounces off the shift ramps repeatedly. It will never, ever, ever fucking shift. And finally, you're like, fuck it. I'm going to loosen up the high limit, and I'm going to give it more tension, and it's going to shift up to that thing. And it won't shift, and it won't shift, and it won't shift. And then it just blows over the entire fucking ring and blows off the crank inexplicably. Like you cannot – it will not ever sit on the big ring. It doesn't matter what cog you have it in the back. You could have it in like the lowest cog in the back, highest cog in the back. doesn't fucking matter. It is the most frustrating thing in the world, and I don't know what the fuck it is. I've tried new rings. I've tried front derailleurs. I mean, I've had the best luck. Oh, we uh, lost Kenny. We lost Kenny. Well, I Wait never had that it. problem. Wait for it. He'll be okay, back. sorry. We had a hiccup there. So um, you've had the, had the best luck? I've had the best luck with a Dior front derailleur, and it actually worked pretty well. So I don't know. Something about the geometry of that front derailleur or the shitty rings, the shitty shift ramps. I have no idea, but – XX2 by front shifting is possibly some of the worst shit I've ever experienced in my life, including like the Shimano branded stuff that is not even branded. It says Shimano, but it doesn't even have like a model number. And it's like what comes on a next full suspension Walmart bike. And it's a triple (laughs) that shit shifts way better than XX does. So that's my rant on that. Fuck that shit. All right. (laughs) There's nothing old that I love. I'm going to just go ahead and throw it out there. I was thinking really hard about old bikes today and like like how people Well, pretty much I was just like thinking back over like the course of bikes that I've had and how everything's kind of came full circle cuz one of the like first real mountain bikes I had was like a a single speed alloy 29er and I'm still riding the Crave and I really like that bike and I mean it wasn't the Crave. I had a, a Felt 9 Solo years and years ago. Uh, man, it, it just, it all comes full circle. But like two nights ago, I was in the garage and I was seating tubeless tires with a Topeak Mountain Joe floor pump. And I was like, who would have fucking thought like five years ago that I'd be here in my garage seating a tubeless tire and like barely breaking a sweat, like with a pretty standard, it's not like a charger pump. It's just a high volume mountain pump. And you know, we have narrow wide chain rings now. We have clutch derailers. We have hydraulic brakes that have a better feel than ever and are lighter. We have forks with better valving, better damping, smoother bushing, smoother stanchions. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't look back on old shit and be like, oh, gee golly, I wish it sucked more like it used to. Like, not, I just never have that feeling. Like, I just don't. I agree. I mean, if you Even, buy really nice new shit, it's going to be way nicer than the old nice shit. Well, yeah, no, you true. can buy okay new shit, and it's better than the really nice old shit. <laughs> that's true. You know, it really like, is true. Like, and and uh, uh, 
it, it comes down to like BMX stuff. The other day, someone wanted to like know what a good BMX bike was. And I was like, go to, go to QBP, select the top tube length you want, buy the cheapest one that has a full chromoly frame. Like that's how I bought mine. And I've been tickled with it. Like I, I've had more luck and like better performance out of that bike than I have with a bike that I like pieced together 10 years ago for like, probably no joke three times the retail cost like i can remember like busting my ass and saving up money to buy a frame and put all these fucking parts i had on it and then like saving up more money and buying more parts and it was like a 20 fucking eight pound bmx bike that a 140 pound kid was trying to ride it sucked and now I buy some like shitter off the shelf that's like 24 and a half pounds out of the box or 25 pounds out of the box. And I'm like, what the fuck? How the fucking, are you serious? Like that bike could get two pounds lighter really easily because it has like the shittiest cranks and the shittiest wheels. Like it, it's just so good though. Like even the shit is good now. That's new what stuff is at. good. Factory wheels like factory Trek, factory specialized, factory Cannondale wheels. They're coming. More and more and more of them are tubeless already. More and more of them are cartridge bearing. Like you didn't see that shit six years ago. You That's just true. Did. There, are, I do like that more. That factory stuff is getting tubeless. Yeah, I mean, it just it makes us sound like like anti curmudgeon. I mean, there's some old stuff that's really cool. There's some old stuff that was solid, but they're not. The old stuff is not better. It's just not. Yeah. Right. And it, I still, I still, uh, I still make, miss the nine speed grip shift. Right. That's but about it. I challenge anyone that like really thinks that like older is better. Like people think the same thing with cars. Like take an old charger and a new charger and go do track days back to back and like a factory spec, like new old stock old charger and a new charger. And the new one's just way better. The same thing happens with bikes. I mean, if I pulled up to the trailhead and I had my iPhone. 3GS, you'd be like, yo, dude, I got a phone at home. You want it? Like, why? The, the, the iPhone 3GS was the best ever. You'd be like, the fuck is wrong with you? They just got bigger and faster and better battery life and yada, yada, yada. Like, that's what everything does. Everything got as good as a phone got better. <laughs> it did. It did. So when you look at your 20 year old Trek Mountain Track 820, of course it sucks. That shit would have been hardwired into your car 20 years ago. Wouldn't it have? I don't know. How long ago <laughs> did we have like cell phones? I wasn't old enough to like even oh think. Oh my God. Seriously. <laughs> so 2001 is when the Nokia brick phone got really popular. Yeah. Uh, cell, fo- cell phones, cell phones got very, very popular like post 2000. Like 2000 was know, kind I of cut off. A, I had like, there a, were lots of like business people and stuff that had cell phones before that, but like as like a normal, regular person like residential use like 2000 is like a good i, I think uh, good i'd say even 99 because i had i got a cell phone my senior year of high school because before that i had a beeper right but <laughs> 2001 i was in the eighth grade <laughs> and uh this one chick had a cell phone and she, was she a drug dealer no nah, she was like she thought it was cool to show boys her thong though well, I mean, isn't it? I don't know. We're not getting into all that. Like, I just remember, like, Chelsea. Was she, was she showing you, like, 
where they thong pictures on her phone. There was like 64 by 64 pixels. You're like, I don't know. I guess maybe that could be a that thong. Phone didn't I'm, have really, a I'm not really sure. Can't that phone didn't have picture. a camera. No, no. They, <laughs> like, I just remember Chelsea had a cell phone and she like made a big deal about it. And I want to be like, yeah, but no one else you know has a cell phone. So you're just call your mom. Like, <laughs> or like you have to wait until everyone's at home when you're at home to call someone on their house phone from your cell phone. So, yeah. Well, oh, God. A- I mean, we're pretty much done. There's like 17 other questions, but I'm pretty what tired. What was the one that said, go fuck yourself or something? Uh, that's not an on-air question. Is that is, Was that someone angry at us? That is someone asking if their local bike shop is kind of telling them to go fuck themselves. And Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're a dickhead. No, yeah. no, no, if, no, if you no, think no, that no, 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 stop. <laughs> this guy had a very legitimate complaint question uh, issue, and he just wanted some unbiased advice on how to proceed with maybe pressuring the shop a little bit to pressure a supplier or a bike company a little bit to be like, no. So, like, the bottom line is he bought a bike. The rear end of his bike discolored, like the rear swing arm or triangle turned a different color than the front triangle. They don't have that color rear triangle anymore, so they want to give him like a red rear end to go on a white front end, or they want to give him a a, a discount on a new bike. And it's like, well, like rustle me up a frame, like find me a matching front and rear triangle to send me was my answer for him but not to be rude about it but to be like man i'd be real bummed if my bike didn't match or be like it'd be disappointing because i don't have the money to buy all the new parts like if you just if you go in like blazing guns and you're like being an asshole of course the shop isn't going to go to the the bike company and be like hey help us make this more right for this dude but if you go and you're like oh shucks man that's a real bummer. I was really hoping to have like a good looking matching bike or be like, oh shucks, none of my nice parts are gonna work on this frame you guys want me to spend money on. That really sucks. They're a little more likely to be like, oh geez, can you do anything, you know? So Yeah, I think the you, best advice catch, I could give there. Yeah, you catch more uh, what is it? Something about honey. You catch more flies with honey vinegar. than you do like Bees with shit or something. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think bees now, ate shit. I think the the moral of the story there is the best thing you can do is establish a good relationship with your bike shop, and they're going to be much more likely to take the extra step and really push the vendor to help you out. Because at the end of the day, it's not really the bike shop's decision on what they can and cannot do, but it is the bike shop's decision on how much they want to press the manufacturer. So if you're a dickhead then they're going to give you the dickhead amount of help, which is not very much. Um, so, yeah, just keep that in mind. Yeah, and, um, like, I mean, like, buy stuff from the bike shop. Like, when you... All that's been covered. Yeah. All that's covered. Like, he, that's he part just, of don't be a dickhead is actually use the bike shop. Yep. So, yeah. But, again, just like many, many, many things in life is if you establish a good relationship with that person or that business, it is a it is good for you in the end. It is not... It's you need to understand this is very different than me saying, oh, bitch and moan, you know, local bike shops should make more money and blah, blah, blah. That's not what it's about at all. 
it's just about you, whether whatever business it is, bike shop or otherwise, if you establish a good relationship with that business or person, they're going to do everything in their power to help you out. Uh, but if you're a complete dick, then they're going to do the least amount that they possibly can and not get in trouble, basically. Uh, so moral of the story is, and this is the golden rule of life in general, is don't be a dick. Yeah. Show enough. All right. Last thing for the show, because we didn't start the show off. Uh, Frank Stanton from Minnesota, $25. Damn. Stanton's like, uh, I see that guy all over like the, the Twitter and like donate oh, yeah, money we and have shit. Twitter now. Yeah. Uh, well, I, more donation. What? Ron K from Minnesota gave $50. Shit. They got the money up there. Is that Ooh. Canadian or is that uh, U.S. dollars? I think they're close to Canada, so they it's get pretty like, close. Is it like fifty-fifty? Is it like kind of like diluted U.S. dollars? I don't it's, know. It's dollar bills dipped in maple syrup, so they're even better. Well, they're they're <laughs> dipped in maple syrup, rolled up, and then dipped in poutine. Oh, <laughs> so they're yeah, so they're worth so nothing. <laughs> uh, no, they're worth like two X because they I have love sweet maple syrup so much. sweet delicious mayonnaise on them. I had a customer today bring me a beer tip, and it was just two. Two beers in a can. <laughs> like two canned beers. They were good. Like, I mean, they were all right beers. Like, like two, just two, two loose cans beers. on top of each other? Just, like, are they, are they taped together like ghetto-style tall boy? I wish. <laughs> no, they were just like t- uh, just two cans Like two Lucy's like you grabbed them out of his fridge and brought them in? Pretty much, yeah. I think he was just like, shit, I got to give them something because they fixed my wheel this afternoon. God, I need to do that. I don't want to tape together two regular beers and give it to a buddy and be like, that's your tall boy, man. You just have to like use a really long nail and shotgun the bottom beer out of the top beer. I, I guess have what done you that. do is you just you put them ass to ass and then you can like then you have to op- you oh. open one, you drink that, and you turn around, and you have to open the other one. Oh, dude, what you would do is you would. So I I started making one yesterday. I cut the bottom out of a regular koozie, and then I cut like a a drinking spout out of the top of it because like two koozies stacked up are too tall for a twenty four ounce Budweiser. Uh, but what you would do in like the two 12 ounce can situation is you would use the koozie, right? Like a tall koozie like that. And you would put the two cans ass to ass in there. And then when you got done with the first one, you would pull it out and flip it over and the bottom beer would still be cold. And like the lid would be clean from the koozie bottom, keeping it out of like the dirt and like, I don't know, like use condoms or whatever's on your counter. (laughs) So I'm trying to look and see if there's a double koozie on All Hail the Black Market, but you can just go ahead and... It's time to call it a show. This has been another episode of Just Riding Along. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, send them to jra at mountbikeradio.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, JRA Show now has its own Twitter. It is the JRA Show on Twitter, so that's at the JRA Show. Uh I started playing with the GoPro, so we're going to start putting up pictures from us riding with that uh, account. And other than that, have a, a solid week. Don't shoot your eye out and keep single track single. Goodbye. <laughs>